just because they're telling you what their problem is, what they actually think that they need doesn't mean what they actually want. What your job is to do is to show them that you can solve their problem, not by describing your solution, but instead unpacking their issues where they feel that you are the only one that understands their problem. You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, the podcast for coaches, thought leaders, and change makers who are ready to become the standout expert. If that's you, stay tuned because you're in the right place. I'm your host, Samantha Riley, and I want to help you build a successful business sharing your expertise, generate the impact and income you need to create your ideal lifestyle. It's time to make a difference and scale up. Are you ready? Let's enter the lab. Welcome to the show, Ari. It's great to have you joining me today. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. We're discussing sales today and specifically trust-based selling, which sounds even better than sales, even though I'm someone that actually does love sales because, you know, as a business owner, that's what we need. It's the lifeblood of our business. You're the world's number one authority in trust-based selling. Just to give our listeners context, I'd love you to share what is your background and how did you become that the number one authority? And obviously, there was something that happened that you thought, hmm, trust-based selling is the way forward. Yes, yes. So there's a story behind this. I'll, I'll walk you through it now and your listeners and viewers as well. Uh, about 20 years ago, I was, I was a sales manager in a software company. We launched the first online website collection tools for visitor behavior. Now it's called Google Analytics. Mm-hmm. But back then, we launched the first one tool around that for statistics on your website. A fast-growing business, internet was taken off. I was managing underneath me 18 salespeople at the time. And the big opportunities, the leads came across my desk that were big opportunities. And this one lead came across my desk. He recognized the name, big company. I called the contact back. We had a nice conversation. And he agreed to a conference call and a demo so we can sh- we show him our tools online. So it was such a big opportunity that if I close this one sale, it would double turnover in the one, in one go. That's how big of this opportunity mm-hmm. was. So the day finally came Friday afternoon, four o'clock, never forget it. And I closed the door behind me in a big conference room on the table was a speakerphone with three legs on it, kind of the mm-hmm. old corporate speakerphones. Mm-hmm. And my uh, uh, director was with, with me as well. So two of us in the room. And so I dialed the number for the conference call and he picks it up on his line and we say, hello, how's it going? And he says to me, Ari, let me, let us share with you who's with us in the room today. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize that someone else would be there as well. Next thing I hear is, my name is Mike, I'm CEO. Oh, this is good. Uh, My name is Chris, I'm head of global IT. This is even better. My name is Julie, I'm head of marketing. This is even better. I mean, everybody on this call that was like, was a decision maker. They were all there at one time. So you can imagine like, this is gonna call, what's gonna happen. So Mm. I introduced myself, I described what we do. I gave a live demo over the web of their websites being collected ahead of time, showing their data. And this is this is before it was even kind of new and or even popular. And so they saw this and I'm walking them through it and I start hearing this noise on the phone call like, wow, this is great. This is amazing. I can't believe we can see this. They start asking me all kinds of questions. How does it work? How do we install it? You know, they had all the right kinds of questions. I had all the right kinds of answers. There was so much chemistry on this phone call. It was like, a love fest on the phone. The, the angels were singing. <laughs> <laughs> like, woo! 
You know, my boss is giving me the high five on my shoulder. It's like, nice job. You know, he's calling for his new car he wants from his phone in the corner of the room, the color of the wheels and the color of the car. He's like, this is like as done as deal as possible. I mean, it was such an amazing hour that went by. And the call comes to a close and my contact is me. Ari, this is great. We love it. Look, give us a call a couple of weeks, follow up with us, and we'll move this thing forward. I said to myself, oh, thank you, God. I think this, this is like the dream come true. And I said my goodbyes. And I took my arm and I reached for the phone in the middle of the table. As I'm reaching for the off button on the speakerphone, by complete accident, now it's a divine intervention, my thumb hit the mute button instead of the off button. Mm-hmm. They were right next to each other on the phone. And a small click happened, and they thought I hung up a phone. And that split second, a voice inside of me says, Ari, go to the dark side. Fly <laughs> on the wall. Go where no one's ever gone before in the world of sales. And so I pulled my thumb back just for a couple seconds. They started talking amongst themselves, thinking I had left the call. Mm-hmm. Now, this is not a trick- what did they share? <laughs> yeah, this is not a trick question, but what would you imagine they should have probably said after a call like that? Things well, like that. Yeah, they'd be saying things like, wow, that is amazing. We can't wait to work with Ari. We love his software. Exactly. You'd expect that to be happening after a call like that. But let me share with you exactly what they said verbatim, word for word. That's why we're all here today. What they said was they said, we're not going to go with him. Keep using him for more information and make sure we shop someplace else cheaper. Mm-hmm. Knife in heart twist. I was in a state of shock. I mean, I could not believe it. I snapped out of it. And I hit the off button and I looked at the wall and I said to myself, what did I do wrong? I was competent. I was friendly. I answered questions. I did everything I was supposed to do in sales. I was enthusiastic. I was listening. Uh, Everything. I had the books at home, CDs in my car back then. And the first big idea hit me. And that was this. You can tell me what you think about this. Somewhere along the way, it has become socially acceptable not to tell the truth Mm. to people who sell. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's okay to say things like, sounds good. Send me information. Oh, mm-hmm. wait, we're definitely interested. Send us a what? A proposal without having any intention of buying at all. Mm. And that's when I asked myself, why were they afraid to just tell me the truth? Mm-hmm. Why all these games? Why seduce me into the conversation? Why the breadcrumbs? Why, why all this angst? And I realized that moment. There is this invisible kind of river that flows of pressure underneath every sales call you have with someone. And if you aren't aware of the pressure and removing it from the process all the time, then what will happen is they'll always feel comfortable putting their guard up, giving you just enough for you to think you have something and never feel comfortable telling you the truth. Mm, Saying no. And that became our whole premise and our mindset shift. We realized, or I realized at the moment, that that is where it's all got to change. I realized if I could create a whole new way, a system, a method of shifting your mindset away from the end goal of the sale and a focus instead on building deep, deep trust with somebody where there's a bubble of vulnerability where they feel comfortable telling you the truth. But you know, where you stand every step of the way, you're not chasing ghosts anymore. People who mm. say they're interested, playing the numbers game. And that became the whole unlock the game premise 20 years ago that now changed, of course, 
thousands of people's lives and it really changed the whole industry around trust-based selling. Mm. So trust-based selling, when I very first heard it, and certainly I've known you and been listening to you for many, many years now. When I first heard it, I thought us as salespeople were to be trusted. But what you're saying is that there needs to be trust from the buyer that they can say yes or no, or actually be completely honest with where they're at. Yeah. It's not if you're trustworthy. Mm. or integrity-based. That I assume you people already are. What I'm Mm. suggesting is you have to consciously create trust in the conversation. So they get this deep feeling and they say to themselves, she just gets me, Mm. just understands me. And that brings the walls down and that creates the human deep connection we'll talk about today. Totally. Now, you just you were just talking a little bit earlier about value and value and adding value is something that we hear a lot at the moment. You know, we need to add value because we want people to, to trust that we know what we're talking about. Can you explain to us what value is in your eyes compared to what we may think value is? Great question. And I tell my clients this all the time. Stop delivering value pre-sale. They go, what? Are we supposed to show somebody that we're credible, that we can do the job, that we're competent? I say, no, your goal is to provide clarity to them on what their problem is. That is the value, not selling yourself. Mm. They're asking themselves the question, I want to understand their solution. What they're asking themselves the entire time before that is, do I trust him? Do I trust him? Do I trust him? Do I trust him? If you start talking about your value and your delivery and your services and your clients and your credibility, that's all about you. Mm. They don't care about that. What they care about is that you are able to unpack their issues at a level that nobody else has before. That's the whole what I call doctor-patient relationship that I help my clients frame so that they focus on the problem and not themselves. Mm. I think that where that gets muddy for a lot of people is that they start to talk about themselves in a way of, I know I can solve your problem because I've done all these things or I've worked with this person or I've got this degree. How do you turn that around so that you're unpacking the problem? You're not making it about you or talking about you, but you're still displaying, I guess, this expertise that you not just can unpack the problem, but you can solve the problem for them or help them to solve the problem. Is well, that, that original problem of us instinctively jumping in the moment we hear a problem, our instinct says, oh, I can solve that. Oh, my God, this is what I do. See, our whole body goes crazy in our chemistry when we hear someone that matches the problem that we solve. Uh-huh. We can't help but to just, oh, hey, I can help you. The problem is that's not trust building. You see, just because they're telling you what their problem is, what they actually think that they need doesn't mean what they actually want. What your job is to do is to show them that you can solve their problem, not by describing your solution, but instead going unpacking their issues where they feel that you are the only one that understands their problem. You see, they don't care about how you solve their problem. 
What they care about is if you're the one to solve it or not. And how they determine your credibility is not based upon your case studies and your stories and your number of clients, because guess what? Everyone else has that already. Credibility yeah. has been commoditized. No longer, so is your, true. no longer is your competence a differentiator. Mm-hmm. That's a big bomb for people to think about that. Why? The mm. way I'm supposed to show them my resume, my clients, my experience. No, everyone else has that too. Forget that. Your job is to diagnose their problem at a level where they get this immediate resonance of, ah, not only has she gone to a level no one has before on my issue, but she's not tried to sell me anything. Ah, thank you for finding me somebody (laughs) I can trust. You see, what we do is we can't help ourselves, but to start to sell. What I tell my clients is stop selling, build trust instead. You know what will happen? They'll come towards you and say to you, how can you help me? Mm. So they're the ones that are opening the question, not going, I don't know that that's what I want today. Let me think about that. Let me digest that. Let me talk to my partner. first. Let me talk to me next week. See, that's the problem. What we do is we unconsciously start to just present our solution to someone they got to digest that and think about it. Now you're in the, what I call a chasing game mm. where you're chasing ghosts, hoping a few will say yes and playing all that stuff that this functional game that we're into that gets stuck, gets stuck in that world. Well, that's the old, the, and I'll say this in air quotes, right? The old way of doing sales is, you know, you need to chase up. And I know that you don't like this terminology, but you need to chase up your lead after you've had a sales call like 10 times, you know, we've all seen the graph that says, you know, that person says no. And then, you know, the graph gets smaller the next time they say, the next time they say no. How do we deal with this in a chasing up scenario? If you have a conversation with a potential prospect and they're qualified and after that call with them, you have to chase them afterwards. The problem is you didn't build enough trust on the first call to onboard them on one conversation. Mm. And I'm working on a new book now called The One Call Sale, how to no longer have any more follow-up at all and build enough trust with somebody on one conversation so they feel comfortable saying yes on one conversation, no follow-up, no next step, no talk to you next week, no I'll give you... see. We are conditioned to believe that long sales cycles, chasing is a normal part of the game. Mm-hmm. What I'm here to say is that is false. That's old conditioning because you haven't been skilled enough yet how to build trust at hello. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about building trust right from the beginning. How? What are the principles around opening that conversation or hang on, does it even come? And this different question, does it even come before opening the conversation? Well, how this all begins to shift your mindset is the first we have to clean out what I call the old sales myths in the back of people's minds about Mm -hmm, what selling mm -hmm. is. Now, one of those myths is the idea of the sales is a numbers game. Mm -hmm. And you know that very well, right? And that was what I was alluding to. Absolutely. Yep. The more contacts you make, the more sales supposed to make. Well, you know, we discover in this economy now, it's not about how many contacts you make anymore. It's about how deep 
you go on each conversation, mm-hmm. how good you are at trust building, not how good you are, how many contacts you make. Mm-hmm. That's the first flip. The second one is the idea that the sale is lost at the end of the process. And I know you've been there before. We had a deal pending. It all looked good. All the boxes were ticked at the end. It just dropped off. Just like, what happened? It was such a good opportunity. We were a good fit. Well, we discovered in this day and age now, the sale is not lost anymore at the end of the process. The sale is lost at the beginning of the process at hello. Mm-hmm. And I'll prove it to you right now in a fun way. Yep. If someone calls your office tomorrow morning and you pick up the phone and you hear, hi, my name is, I'm with, we are a, what goes through mine in about three seconds? They're going to sell to me. It's over at hello. Yeah. I'm not suggesting your, your folks are all making outbound calls, but I will suggest that they're losing their opportunities, not at the end of their process. They're losing it at the beginning I'll make a case for that today. And the last myth is the idea that rejection is part of sales. You have to accept it as part of the game. And we discovered that rejection is triggered by certain things you say and do unconsciously that cause the other person to associate you with that stereotype and they put their guard up. So we'll talk about Mm. that now, the principles and share more ideas around that. Perfect. So the beginning of the sales the sales call. So it's about shifting our mindset before we even get there. How are we opening these calls? Okay, so let's take the scenario that, for instance, you're making an outbound call. Let's just do prospecting, okay? We'll mm-hmm, do a few mm-hmm. different scenarios. Yeah. So the typical outbound call goes like this. Hi, my name is John Johnson, and I'm with, how are you today? Or do you have a few minutes? Or did I catch you? Or... We, it's typical, right? And then we just shut ourselves down and it's uh-huh, over. Uh-huh. Yep. So, Did I catch you at a good time? No, you didn't actually. Exactly. <laughs> it's over. Hello. It's yeah, over. Yeah. So our approach kind of goes like this. Hi, my name's Ari. And I'm hoping you can help me out for a moment. Sure, Ari. That's what happens almost every single time you get the how can I help you? Mm. Because when you're not coming in the front door with a sales pitch, but you're coming and asking for help in a very uh, relaxed, authentic, soft way. First of all, they don't know who you are. So you could be a client, tax office, the president, who knows? They, they don't know. Mm. So mm. the first instinct is coming into the phone with this, how can I help you? That's called a two-way dialogue at hello. That's how you create a connection without resistance. Mm-hmm. And from there you say, I'm just giving you a call to see if you'd be open to some different ideas and insights on how to deal with the issue of, and you plug in the problems that you solve right there. So there's no pitch about your solution. You go right into their problems. And it kind of goes in from there. And I can walk you through it later on. But that's kind of that entry point for how you crack the code on making a call with someone without, without getting rejected. That's the first scenario. The other scenario, let's say you get through LinkedIn or a referral, you have a scheduled call with a potential client mm-hmm, and they're really mm-hmm. qualified. Usually those calls, and it's funny because my clients bring me recordings of their calls and listen to when we start working together. And I hear these calls and it's like, it's kind of like, hi, how's it going? Nice to meet you. Great. How's the weather in Sydney? Fantastic. There's all this extra relationship building and rapport building and hello. They laid in real thick. And when I say to my clients is stop building relationships with people pre-sale, build them post-sale. Trust building and relationship building can be mutually exclusive. You don't have to build a fake rapport with people. They know it's fake anyways. They know it's not authentic. So the way you start your calls should be like this. Hi, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Glad you're here today. 
can we, if you, if it's okay with you, can we start with you sharing with me a little bit about your situation, a bit about your story and your current business model. And we'll go from there. Mm. So you start right away, putting the ball in their court and having them discuss their situation. You don't try and build a relationship with them and do all this preamble with, well, before the call today, here's the plan. If we agree to work together, well, that's like all this, like, artificial structure that's unnatural like yeah. it's like a doctor and a patient when you go see a doctor they say to you where does it hurt they don't i've got a new i'm working on a new bumper sticker right now and it's got four words on it you know what it's gonna say what's that it's gonna say doctors don't do coffee <laughs> I love it. That is so good. That's so true. You walk into the doctor, they say, hi, how are you today? Tell me what you're doing. And it's just like, we just, we're just doing the thing. We just conform. Yeah. We say my shoulder hurts. And he says, let me take a look over here. Oh, 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 really? We need an x-ray on that right away. We need to take a look at what's going on inside so I can see what the issue is that we can figure out how to solve it. See Mm. what we do in sales is we say, "Um, your shoulder hurts. If I got some medicine for you, let me write up right now a prescription and yep, take this. It'll solve your problem. See, we're conditioned to just solve the problem. Mm-hmm. The minute you do that, it's there's no trust building at all. They're like, all I want you to sell me is a solution. See, when the patient leaves the office and has clarity on how why it hurts, that's and then they pay the doctor for the clarity, that's the value that they want. Now, how you solve the problem, they don't care what's in the medicine bottle. They don't mm. care the milliliters of this. and They don't care about how you solve the problem. All they want is to know that you're the one to solve it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're not making friends with our leads. We can no, be you, friendly. <laughs> no, you can be, you can build a relationship with them after they're a client. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's only diagnostic. Now, you can still have bedside manner and have empathy and be warm. I'm not saying being cold and detached. You can still keep your warmth and be authentic, but don't try and build the relationship and add in extra stuff. Like, doesn't it's about them right now. Yeah. Focus in on their issues and go underneath what I call the iceberg which is go below the iceberg, below their issues to spaces they have not gone before. They need to feel that you're the only one that understands their world better than they do. Mm. So once you've unpacked that problem or not even unpacked it, your lead has told you what's going on. How do you move from the diagnosis, I guess, to here's the solution? All right, so let's let's do a scenario. What would be a, a, a typical thing like your a client might tell you is one of their problems? For instance, they might sit on the phone. Here's my problem. What would they say normally? Here's my problem. I need more leads. Okay. So what would you normally say after that? They told you that, like, I don't know, this is typically, if they said, I don't have enough leads. I need more leads. Tell me what's going on right. How are you getting leads right now? Okay, right. So we have Facebook coming in right now. Okay. So now we start. So that's good. So the, the, the phrase that we use, because sometimes the client's, or prospects don't want to tell us the true problem. Uh-huh, uh-huh. They only want to tell us the service level problem, not the real problem. Mm-hmm. And so we don't want to react after what they've told us, but to go below it. So if someone says to you, you know, or in this scenario, like for us, we don't have enough sales or it was a staff problem. What we say is this, can you tell me a little bit more about that? 
Mm. And I already can see by, for those people that are just listening, what Ari just did was ask that question and leaned back and put his hand on his mouth. <laughs> that is so ingrained in what you do. <laughs> That's what doctors do. I yeah. the, all I did was borrow the medical model and yeah. put it over here and add a trust to it. That's what I'm doing. I mean, essentially doctors, they did lean back and go, hmm, tell me more about that. Mm. How long has it been a problem for? What have you done to try and solve that? What's the impact of that issue? How is it really bothering you? Are you concerned about that? And here's the key question you need to ask. This is the question you're asking before. Mm-hmm. What's the moment? And when you can move, you can switch the conversation from mm-hmm. them into you, right? And here's the key, what I call million dollar question you're going to ask. After you go below the iceberg, you're going to ask mm-hmm. this. You're going to ask, is this a priority for you to solve once and for all? Or is it something you're happy to live with for a while and not deal with it for the short term. Oh my goodness. I love that so much because all of a sudden you're making that person make a decision straight away. And as humans, we're like, oh no, no, I don't want to keep the pain. Indecisiveness is exactly what prevents people from selling something and buying something. And what I'm doing here, like a patient, like a therapist and a patient, if the patient doesn't own the problem, they're the worst patients. We got to pull them through the process, which is so painful. You want your client to say to you, yeah, we definitely got to get this solved once and for all. Otherwise, man, we're going to be, these aren't going to be looking good because you want, because then when you, when they own it, the next step is for them to say, how can you help me? Mm. And you aren't, you have, do not have permission to discuss your solution. Until they say to you the magic words, which is, how can you help me? And if you're not getting that on your first call with somebody, you need to learn how to build trust with trust-based selling. I was watching a video the other day where someone was explaining that this is actually the way the Genius Bar works at Apple, that they that most of the time someone will come in and say, oh, I can't find this thing on my phone. They're actually not allowed to take the phone and just say, oh, here it is. They have to talk you through, this is where you find it. So you're making the, I guess, the the client or the, the prospect actually walk through the steps. So you are saying exactly the same thing. We can't solve the problem for them. If you attempt to provide your solution premature to trust building, at the end of the call, they'll say to you, let me think about it. Mm. What think about it says really means a smokescreen for I don't totally trust you yet. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you a question, Ari. If you've got someone that's got to a point where they're like, I really, really want to solve this problem. They've answered your question. No, this is, it's a now thing. And then you move the conversation to this is how we work with people. And this is the price. So I'm thinking we may have someone on the phone that actually cannot afford that. So this to me is an objection. What can you give us a, a scenario around this? Because I'm sure it happens to a lot of people. Sure. Well, first, you want to qualify them before you get to the point of asking them if they want to solve this or not, meaning their business, the losses, the, the ROI losses, the impact of the company. You got to first build the ROI in advance 
of presenting your pricing. So that's just one issue that eliminates most of that. Mm-hmm. But after that, you say to them, you know, is the priority? They say yes, and they say, how can you help me? You don't discuss your price, mm-hmm. and you don't discuss your services. We're mm-hmm. not done yet. There's uh-huh. still more. There's <laughs> <They're> steak knives. <laughs> But see, that's where the objection comes from because we prematurely discuss the price and services too early in the process. We just jump and say, oh, great. I can help you with that. Here's how my services work. Here's how much it costs. I can't afford it. Oh, shit. How did we get here? That's mm. because we didn't, we jumbled all together too fast. So when they say to you, how can I help you? Or yeah, how can you help me? Then you say this. You say, would it be helpful for you? If I walk you through my roadmap or framework for how I help my clients solve the same issue that you have, would that be helpful? Mm. Yes, that would be fantastic, Ari. Because you've given them nothing. And of course, they're going to say, yes, show me something. <laughs> Give it you to me. me. nothing. <laughs> Absolutely. So we're not elongating this on purpose. What we're doing is trying to match the psychology of what they need to feel comfortable making a decision that they're fit or not. And they need more. They need more. And what this, what the next step here is developing what I call a sales roadmap, mm-hmm. which is a visual diagram or tool that walks them through what your process is to solve their problem, not describing your solutions. What I mean by that is your coach, you don't say, oh, six month program, we meet every week and it's a group program. We have online learning. That's selling mm-hmm. all the stuff they don't want to hear about. Mm-hmm. That's called commoditization. Everyone's got that. So Mm -hmm. you don't discuss that or the pricing. You just walk them through. So here's my process. And you show this map. And we help our clients create these maps. And you walk them through each phase of your process. So phase one might be we do a deep dive into your business, understand what the deepest issues are. Phase two might be from that data we collect and what we learn, we then build a plan of what we go about addressing your issues. And whatever your process is, so you walk them through the map, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And you haven't mentioned price yet. You haven't mentioned even your services yet. You're just mentioning your product. It's a meta step before the services. Mm-hmm. And then you walk them through it and you say this. You say, what are your thoughts on the roadmap? Mm. You're selling the roadmap, not your services. Services are commoditized. Apples to apples, insurance, insurance, coaching to coaching. Oh, I've got a unique. No, no, you don't have a unique program. They've heard everything under the sun by now. Welcome to the age of commoditization. See, we think our program is unique. Oh, well, I'm different because I work with people. I See, you're, we, but we're so used to working hard to show someone that we're different. That's over. You can't differentiate on your services and your offering. You have to differentiate on your approach. Mm-hmm. The way you build trust is your differentiation, not your solution. They're buying you. Because of the way you're treating them pre-sale, how you solve the problem is fine. They'll trust you'll do it the right way anyways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you say to them, what are your thoughts on the roadmap? Now they're focused on what only? The process for how the problem is solved. Mm-hmm. So from that, questions may come up. Well, how long is this? How long is that? Then they might say to you, well, how much does it cost for the roadmap? Mm-hmm. Or, which is fine. It's what you want. You want them to kind of own everything here. Mm-hmm. So then you say, you know, well, basically how it works is we charge an, a fee for the first phase, which is 5k to basically unpack the issues, do a diagnostic. Then from there, it's a flat fee from there, depending on your situation, but we don't really go there until we first, so depending on your model, we kind of architect the way to language it. So it feels like a, 
natural onboarding right there and then. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're presenting all this information. They got to process it and think about it because there's nothing to think about here. Think about it. There's nothing to think about. It's all right in front of them. There's no information that's added into the process where they got to think about it. Mm. This eliminates all resistance because, see, what happens is we unconsciously start to add in more information so we feel whole. Yeah, because you get this uncomfortable feeling coming up and instead of leaving the silence, you know, and we've all been on calls before where it's almost like the salesperson's got verbal diarrhea and it's just like, oh, my goodness, stop now. You know, it just keeps coming and coming and coming. <laughs> right, because our in, our, inside we sit ourselves, oh, shit, I'm yeah. talking, I'm going to lose this. I better tell them, give them some value. I better show them how amazing I am. I better show my client testimonials. I better talk about all my... See, we feel, we believe that to make the sale, we have to convince, persuade, and show them we have, we're credible and we have value. That's mm-hmm. the mistake. That, that was like five years ago. Now? No, the world shifted. It's not, they don't care about all that. What they care about is the way in which you onboarded them without a sales pitch. Mm. I love that so much. I love the, that you're talking about the language there. I love, you know, we're sitting here on video, the visual, watching your body languages as you're doing it. It's the feeling is that even, even though we're not on a sales call, but we kind of are, <laughs> you know, I can feel myself leaning in. I can, you're, you're leading me. Actually, that's a really good say. You're leading me to make the next decision. Here's the message I'm sending with my behavior, my language, and the whole approach. I'm sending this message. I'm saying, I care about you. And I really do care about you, honestly, but it's up to you to decide if you want to solve your problem or not, because I'm not going to convince you to solve it. Mm. And I'm okay either way. That's the thing. See, I'm letting go of my goal of the sale. I'm saying I'm okay either way. My life will go on tomorrow morning. I'll wake up in the morning. I'll be okay. I'm not, my life won't be over if we don't work together. I'm okay with that Mm -hmm. because this call isn't about me. Mm -hmm. This call is about you. If you want to solve this problem and get it done once and for all, we can discuss that. If you don't, I'm okay with that. See, by you saying that, you release yourself from the pressure. You release them from the pressure of the sale. And that's the big shift that we teach people how to let go of their own goal of the sale. Because if you're still wedded to a next step in the conversation with somebody, you're not being present with them. They can feel that from you from a long distance. They can mm. sense when you're actually, see, hearing is passive. Listening is active. We just hear people, but our brain goes to, oh, what's next? Wait, he's almost there. Oh, I can just get, I, I, he's almost there. I See, yeah, they yeah. know that. They, they can sense when you're not fully centered. I love that. Ari, for people that are listening that are just like, I need to learn more about this. This is definitely what I need in my business. Where can they go to find out more about what it is that you do? First step is go to unlockthegame.com. Just like it sounds, unlockthegame.com. There's a few options in there. Uh, There's an intro course that are free, lots of free stuff, but there's a free consultation that you can take advantage of. Now, I want to tell you one thing about that. Mm -hmm. If you're brave enough to do that, you're going to experience interesting experience. You'll get no sales pitch. You'll get no offer and no next steps. It'll be all about you. You know how people offer 
consultations, they're always a, a disguise sales process. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. With us, you'll experience what it's like to have an actual call with someone and get clarity on your problem. And you'll never be offered a pitch. You'll have to, on your own, ask for help. Just try it for fun. <laughs> you'll learn how to do it yourself. Mm. Or if you want, go to LinkedIn, ping me there with a PM private message, say hello that you learned from it today. We'll have a chat. But this is about authenticity, taking the games out of it, the whole thing, and just being yourself. And let me tell you, people write, I believe trust is a new currency. Mm-hmm. And if you aren't aware of that and removing yourself from the old way of selling, you're going to have a hard time. I love that. And I think that I think that trust is been a currency that's been around for a while. What I do see the value for what you're talking about now even more is the amount of people that are reaching out on social media at the moment that are just, hi, my name's Fred and I've got this thing. Would you like to buy it? It is so bad right now that your trust-based selling will stand out so far ahead. People will lean into it. See, what's interesting about we just said you're absolutely right about that is nothing has changed for the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. When it was all about cold calling, everyone got tired of the pitch. Now it's a different medium. Exactly. Media, guess what? Same problem. Everyone is tired of the pitch. Nothing has changed. You see, what hasn't changed is the approach. Sure, there's no more channels of communication. So what? But if you don't change your approach for how you use it in the channel, you're one of many. Mm. Ari, thank you so much for coming onto the show today, talking about your trust-based selling. It's been absolutely fantastic. And I look forward to having you back on the show when your book comes out. Sounds good. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Ari. Today's episode may be over, but let's continue the conversation. Head on over to the Thought Leaders Business Lab community on Facebook and connect with other entrepreneurs who are building and scaling their business too. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab.